2: to the nhl stochastic nhl strategy show sponsored by prize picks i'm your host josh harris i see my partner in crime here son cliffy has not been to the barber he must have been snowed in or something how's your little 10-day getaway
1: yeah it, will, it, it <laughs> you say snowed in it, it actually did kind of work out that way like We had rain or freezing rain for, like, four days in a row. We had a snowstorm. It dipped down to, like, minus 40 on the weekend. As far as 10-day breaks go, I don't think late January and early February is exactly where I would pick my 10-day break. Uh, But here we are. We are back. Um, Not a great all-star weekend. Like, I'm not an all-star game guy. Like, the actual game itself is whatever. Usually the skills competition can bring some interesting things. This skills competition, like that, dumping it in and having the goalie stop it behind the net. It's like, this is a skills competition. I don't want to watch people dump the puck in. I don't care what part, you know, what part of the uh, competition this is. I don't want to watch people dump the puck in during the regular season, let alone an all-star game competition. Um, You know, it's supposed to be for kids. I don't even know if the kids would have enjoyed that, but... um, I don't know. what do you think of the all-star game? I saw you kind of shaking your head a little bit.
2: Oh, it was just awful. I like, I, and then like, I, I put a question out onto Twitter. I was like, what, what are we going to do to fix this? And like, a lot of people responded saying like all, all all-star games are shit. You know what I mean? Like they're just all bad, but you know, the NBA dunk contest at a time was awesome when you had Vince Carter, you know what I mean? They could at least try to do something with the skills competition like MLB at least tries to make the game mean something like these, these teams like don't even care about the million dollar top prop. Maybe they do, but like, it doesn't, it doesn't move the needle. So I guess, you know, maybe you got to figure out a way to get these you know players involved, but you don't want to see injuries on a, in an exhibition. You know what I mean? Maybe you have a little mid season. I, I I really don't know the solution. It's just garbage. Maybe you hold it Yeah, you, you have it kind of like NFL before the Stanley cup finals. I don't know as like a, Hey, here we are. These are our guys, but you know. Damn.
1: Yeah. I, I just, it just, it feels like they were just trying really hard to, to spice things up and it, it, it just went too far the other way. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and you know, there's a lot of talk a couple of weeks ago about declining TV ratings for the NHL, like crashing faster than any other sport. Well, the major sports or whatever, um, I don't know if referencing a TV show from the 1980s and a movie from the middle of the 1990s and building entire comedy sketches around them is the way to attract younger fans. Like, if you're trying to attract people under the age of 25, I don't think you should be showing stuff that was on the air before they were born. Um, I guess oh, I, it feels differently.
2: You you put like I don't know maybe you've, you have a camera crew that follows some of the better personalities who made the All Star team around. Kind of like, you know, how they did the winter, like, behind the scenes at the Winter Classic. Maybe you, you, you slap a camera crew with Igor and see how he handles Miami. Yeah. You know what I mean? That would be interesting. But, you know, the skills competition, hockey, golf, like, I don't know, just just absolute garbage. But, yeah, I mean, now we got this six-gamer uh, six tonight, and some of these teams have been off for 10 days. So we're going to try to break this down the best that we can. The best advice I can give you on this slate is I I wouldn't change your process. There is a lot of data on, you know, by weeks for teams or whatever, just crank the, uh, the volatility up on this slate a little bit. Um, If teams come out sluggish, some teams, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see an underdog or two win today. You know what I mean? Like a, a normal six game slate, would be messed up anyway, but then you throw in these long layoffs, backup goalies, guys coming back from injury and, you know, more, more things that aren't supposed to happen may happen tonight, but I don't know. Yeah. Be- I,
1: I think that's, it's a good point to bring up all the time off, right? Because yes, all these teams have had a lot of time off. Um, you know, these teams haven't played since January and we just let you, we know from the data of uh, by weeks you know, when they had the bye weeks five plus years ago, um, teams taking five plus days off led to rust. They lost more games. They f- uh, scored fewer of the goal share, lower or lower goal shares, et cetera, et cetera. When everybody's in the same boat, like there's no one situation you can say, oh, well, this team's rested, but this team's not, or this team might be rusty. It's like, well, they're probably all going to be rusty. So I, I, I think that's a good point to bring up that Yes, bye week, the bye week is going to affect performance, but it should affect performance for everybody or, you know, most of the teams anyway. So trying to pick and choose which is or which isn't, I don't I think is 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 kind of a a fool's errand. And and yeah, I agree with you. I would just treat this like, you know, it was it was a Monday slate um, in the middle of December or something like that. Right. Um, I don't think we should really treat this any differently where every team, you know, has had so much time off.
2: Yeah, it could just, you know, the good plays are probably still going to be the good plays. But, like, you might see a little bit of choppy hockey for the first half of the night. You know what I mean? So just be used to that. And I just want to say thank you to those who tuned in to MMA Live before lock calling me ordinary without hockey. That means you think I'm extraordinary in hockey. So thank you. Uh, But, yeah, uh, let's get into the six-game slate. But before we do, just smash that like button. The more likes we get, the more views we get, the more free shows you get. Um, So I know y'all, there's 69 people in here. That is a very good number. And just smash the like button. Helps us bring you free content and you like free content. Also, all of our shows are available in podcast form, except for Live Before Locks on the platform of your choice. So go check that out. Leave a five star review. Let's get into this slate, shall we? We got the Tampa Bay Lightning with a 3.3 total heading into Florida. The Panthers have a 3.2 total. Andre Vasilevsky, Sergei Bobrovsky confirmed. Sergei Bobrovsky is back and also Min Price on DraftKings. Alex Leon not even backing up. Spencer Knight is back, so the the Leon experiment has ended. I think Matty Kachuk is in, even though he didn't take – Part and skate this morning. I think Colin White was just a placeholder for him on the second line. A couple things that kind of stick out here: one, Tampa Bay top line point Kucherov coast, very expensive, but there's almost no ownership here. Um, it, it's kind of an interesting thing here because we do talk about these layoffs, but some of these guys played over the weekend. Secondly, if you're going to get you know these really good spots. Where would you where where do you want to go if just say everyone comes out flat? Do you want a team that's more expensive, that's lower owned, or do you want a cheaper team that's going to be higher owned? I don't know. I have some interest here in Tampa one with almost no ownership. They have an excellent projection. They are twenty two thousand on DraftKings, but you know I, I don't really worry about any matchup. Like even if they get. Bennett Verhage Kachuk, which I don't think they will see a ton. Like, Florida just gives it up, uh, gives up a ton of shots. Their their penalty kill isn't great. Babovsky hasn't played in a few weeks, so I, I think uh, on both sides there's stuff to like. And but like the thing is, like that Barkov line, just because they're so cheap, coming in a bit over-owned for my taste, I'd probably go to the Bennett line.
1: Yeah, um, to your point about that Barkov line. Um, Projected at about 16% ownership per uh, top stacks tools. Um, that's at least for DraftKings. Over on FanDuel, the Barkov line should come in a lot lower because they're relatively more expensive. But um, there is stuff, there is a lot that I, there are two lines, or there's, a, I guess, two lines in this game, a line on either side that I really do like. The Florida top line is kind of interesting in that they are coming with a lot of ownership, but it's the only line where you get two out of three guys on the top power play unit, right? Um, You know, power play and power play output is just really important in DFS. Um, I think it's something that maybe um, we tend to overlook um, just a little bit. Uh, Tampa Bay's penalty kill really hasn't been great. Like middle of the league by shots against over the last six weeks, middle of the league by goals against, certainly not bad by any stretch, but you know, not the elite of the elite, right? Like this isn't like a Dallas or a Calgary or a Boston or or something like that. So um, probably not too much to worry about uh, penalty kill wise on the Tampa side. Uh, Florida does draw a lot of power plays as well. Three and a half power play opportunities per game this season. um, Second in the league um, in this regard. So, I do understand the merit to going with the Florida top line. And, you know, I think they do match up against that point line a fair bit. And I would say the point line is the better line and they should be able to generate more offense. But they haven't been great defensively. 2.6 expected goals against in their time together in the month of January. Um, It's about league average, maybe a little bit worse. So um, it's not really a brutal matchup for the Florida top line in any regard it's just a really a lot of ownership and they're not playing that well at five on five, like 2.2 expected goals in their time together. That's not good by any stretch of the imagination. Um, You know, 2.0 actual goals shooting 7.2%. Like sure. The shooting percentage is a little bit low, even if that goes up 50, you know, relatively speaking by 50% and hit is, you know, 10 and a half percent, they're still only scoring about three goals for 60 minutes, which is good, but it's not elite. They need to start generating a lot more before I really feel comfortable playing them, especially at 16% ownership. So I'm out on Florida. One Florida two is the line that I'm interested in. It, you know, it's been a long time since we've had a show. So maybe we should run a little bit of a refresher, but that, that line has been absolutely outstanding. The Bennett, Kachuk, Verhage line for Florida. Um, just in the month of January, five point four expected goals for, two point two against. <laughs> like they were just absolutely dominating opponents. Like they were scoring three point four goals for sixty minutes, which is like well, well above average. So it's a really good mark. Shooting six point six percent. The league average at 5-on-5, I think, is at about 8.3. So they're well below the league average in shooting percentage, but well above in scoring because they're just generating so much offense. Like, imagine this line shooting 10% and not under 7%, right? So they're going to get that Tampa 2 matchup. Tampa 2, even worse defensively than the Tampa top line. Like, Anthony Sorelli quietly not having that good of a season for Tampa Bay so far this year, at least since he's returned from injury. Alex Kalern, obviously, he's getting older. Like, I don't have a lot of faith in that Tampa second line. So I do like Florida 2. They're not coming in with that much ownership. Um, you know, uh 1.4% uh over on FanDuel because they are so expensive. Uh a little over five percent on on DK, but I think you're perfectly fine to just play Florida two here. Like Carter Hage is having an incredible season. He's on a 40, like a 41 goal pace or something like that, without all that power play time. So I'm perfectly fine playing Florida 2 here. I think it's a good matchup for them. Um, No ownership. Uh, You know, it's one of those pivots. Like, if you don't want to play a super high owned Dallas or a pretty high owned Minnesota line, I think Florida 2 is a nice pivot if you don't want to go all the way up to Tampa. But it's the Tampa top line I like best in this game, flat out. 4.4 expected goals generated in their time together in January, 4.7 actual goals. Like, those are similar numbers to, you know, going back seasons whenever these three um, do play together, all in the top power play unit. Florida, I think they're the most penalized team in the league now, um, passing Arizona. So Tampa should get a ton of power play opportunities. There's no ownership. Um, I think there's a a fair number of like cheap ish lines, like in that 13 to 15K range that you can pair with them on DraftKings. I like, I think Tampa 1 is one of my favorite stacks on the whole slate here tonight, but I don't want to overlook Florida 2 because they're just flat out a great line. That's getting a pretty good matchup with low owner or lower ownership. So those would be the two lines that I'm looking at here.
2: Yeah, I think the lower ownership is because I think they're one of the only lines over 20k, and they are 22k on DraftKings, which is, I mean, like it's price prohibitive, but it's not killer. Like Edmonton, one, we've seen them get close to twenty six thousand at some point, and people just jam them in. I guess like. A question I guess we'll talk about a little bit later when we get to goalies. I I guess maybe you could have a, a Tampa skater or two against min Price, Bob, but, like, I don't know. We'll get to that question later. And who's the guy who does the expected goal-for maps on Twitter? Micah uh,
1: Blake McCurdy? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Did, did you see the one with, with and without Kachuk? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, the Panthers with Kachuk off the ice are just n- bad. They're just, so, like, yeah. Yeah, so like if I'm gonna to go to the line, it's gonna be it's gonna be the chuck line for sure. Let's move on to the next game. Two of my least favorite spots on the United States. The New York Islanders with a 2.9 total going into Philadelphia. If I had to choose between going into Long Island and going into Philadelphia, I will just find the nearest cliff and drive off of it. And they're going into Philadelphia, and the Flyers have a 2.6 total. Semyon Vol- Varlamov, Carter Hart confirmed. Anthony Beauvillier um, traded Bo Beau Horvat into the Islanders. It'd be interesting to see lines because with Bo Horvat in the fold with uh, Matt Barzell at center, uh, JG Pugio at center, I think they're gonna. I think the most likely scenario is they move Brock Nelson to the wing. I could be wrong but we'll have to wait and see on lines. Did it did they get lines? I know Yeah. Yeah,
1: Bob yeah, Lines, Bailey, Barzal and Horvat and then Lee Nelson and um Oh my god, Lee Nelson and um, Paul Mary? Yeah, Paul Mary on the second line, sorry.
0: Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid.
2: Straight
1: well, um, Josh, you're really uh cutting out. I'm just gonna jump in real quick here. Um, yeah, they did have Horvat skating on the top line with Matt Barzal, which I find kind of interesting because is just not like a good face off center. Um, Barzal, uh, 35.9 percent on the face offs this year, last year was his career best at 46.3 percent. Like Horvat. I think I saw earlier Horvat has over had over 1,100 faceoffs taken just this year alone in Vancouver. Like he was taking over 20 per game for the Canucks. So uh we'll see how Barzala just uh going to the wing here. Um, what else did you have to say, Josh? I see that you're back with us.
2: Yeah, I said I was surprised they moved Horvat to the wing and not Nelson because Horvath's Nelson without line. Lee is just on an NHL center. Oh, it's Barzell on the wing. Yeah. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's
1: Bailey, it's okay. Bailey Horvat, Barzell, Lee Nelson, um, Palmieri.
2: I guess in the grand scheme of things, if you're going to move someone, who's you know, you to go to the wing. But so was Nelson's though. Like Nelson without Lee, their his center numbers are just brutal. But I'm not an NHL coach, so. I don't know. Like I without with Varlamov starting, I, I kind of have interest in the Flyers here tonight. Like I know they haven't been great, but like these Islanders lines aren't very good defensively. The Islanders aren't good defensively. I can't imagine Bo Horvat coming in making them better defensively. Like he's a very good offensive player, but he isn't a very good defensive player. So I have more interest in the flyers here tonight.
1: Yeah. Um, what Horvat is going to be for Vancouver or for the Islanders. Sorry. is pretty interesting because you and I were talking about Horvat uh, on discord um, last week when he was traded, maybe it was over the weekend. I mean, all the days blend together on over the all-star break. Uh, but one thing that we were talking about was the guys that Horvat was playing with. Right. Um, if you look from the start of the 2017 season, I think it's 2017 to 2020. Um, the players that that Horvat was playing with were nobody. Um, sorry, 2017 to 2021. So four season span, his five most common line mates at five on five were Brock Besser, Tanner Pearson, Louis Erickson, Jake Virtanen, and Sven Berge. Three of those guys just aren't even in the NHL anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? One of them's Tanner Pearson, who's, you know, injured and declining. And one of them's Brock Besser, whose best season was probably like four years ago. Um, Horvat just really hasn't had anybody to play with. And there are, he does, has had some pretty good underlying metrics. Um, you know, he was a consistent performer, um, you know, by goals and all that. But I think he, he doesn't get the credit for being a fairly good playmaker. Like from 2017 through 2020, I wrote about this for season long fantasy hockey, his shot assist rate, which is Pat his passes that lead to shots from teammates was 80 sec- was in the 82nd percentile, like straight up first liner um, by shot assist rates uh, over a three season span. Um, now you mentioned his defensive issues. I think there were times he did struggle defensively. But like that team was just horrific, you know what I mean? Like this season they were running a top pair of like Oliver ekman Larson and Tyler Myers. Like what's Horvat supposed to do with that? You know what I mean? Um, so like he had a lot of bad line mates, stuffed in the defensive zone, was still driving the play, still had great playmaking metrics, and over the last couple of years, like he's he's changed his shot profile. That's something we talked about Discord earlier this morning. Um, he's taking like fewer wrist shots and he's getting more to the front of the net for like tips and deflections and things like that. Now I think he's, you know, overproducing. He's not going to keep shooting 22%, but I do think there should be optimism that he can keep shooting like 15, 16% and be like a 35 goal scorer for them. Um, you know, he gets Matt Barzal and considering how little Horvat played with Elias Petterson, I think Barzal is going to be the best playmaker at least since Horvat played with Henrik Sedin. And I wonder how much he even played with Henrik Sedin um, six years ago or seven years ago or whatever it was. So I think it's a pretty good move for the Islanders. I just wonder how it's going to go in this particular matchup because they're going to go into that Kate's konechny matchup, I imagine, um, that top line for the Flyers, Cates-Konechny uh, and Van Riemsdyk. Now, Van Riemsdyk being there... I don't think does a lot. I don't think it really changes much from Joel Farabee. I kind of view them as interchangeable players at this point. Um, Cates and Konechny, their defensive numbers had really improved um, with more time together. Like over the last month, 2.8 expected goals against, 2.2 actual goals against. The expected goals against number is not good, but it's a lot better than what they were doing earlier in the season. Um, They have been getting better defensively. Could make for a somewhat tough matchup for Horvat and, and company. I don't think it's that bad. I still think Horvat and and Barzal are perfectly fine to play here for that five on five matchup, especially we're not coming in with much ownership. But it's a brutal power play matchup for the Islanders. Um, the Flyers continue to have one of the best penalty kills in the league. It's it's actually crazy. Like it, it's been about like over two months now that the Flyers have been basically top three in the league by shots against. And goals against will fluctuate with the performance of Carter Hart and the backs up backups, but the penalty kill itself has been outstanding. And, the you know, the Islanders' power play hasn't been very good. I think that's one of the reasons why they were so gung-ho to go get Horvat is because they need more from their power play. Um, so I guess the Islanders' top line is fine, but I, you know, I don't think I'd be necessarily, like, running out to play them just because they're playing the Flyers or something like that. Um, I don't think – At 5-on-5, it's a good matchup. On the power play, it's not. And that's a concern for me. The Islanders' second line, Nelson and Palmieri, have 275 minutes together over the last two years. 3.5 expected goals for, 3.5 actual goals for. That's 275 minutes. We're not talking about a tiny sample here. Um, That's pretty good production um, at 5-on-5 for that Islanders line for that Islanders duo, I guess. And I don't think adding Anders Lee is really going to hurt um, in this regard. And they'll probably get a lot of that Hayes Tippett matchup, I think from the Flyers and Hayes and Tippett haven't been very good defensively, about 130 minutes together, three expected goals against 4.1 actual goals against. I think it's a pretty good matchup for that Isles second line. I know they're coming in with a little bit more ownership, but a, I think Call Palmieri is just a much better winger than Josh Bailey. So I think it's, course. Yeah. So I think it's a more complete line Uh, and B we have a sample of Palmieri and Nelson playing very well together and a reasonably large one. I assume Horvat and Barzal are going to play well together. We don't know that for sure though. I'll go with a little bit more of a certain thing on a slate filled with uncertainty. And I'll go with that Islanders second line. Um, I do think the, the, the Philly top line with Cates and Konechny is playable. It's just, I I think even with Varlamov, like Varlamov hasn't really, he's been having a good season, like not Sorokin quality, but still good. And that Flyers second, like the Flyers, like I'm not convinced that they're not going to change up their lines. Like even John Tortorella at Morning Skate today said, the only reason they had Wade Allison centering the fourth line yesterday in practice was to make sure Wade Allison could make it through an entire practice returning from injury. Like Wade Allison might move up and go play with with Kevin Hayes, like he had been for a couple months now. I'm worried that the lines are going to change. I don't think it's a great matchup against the Islanders. The only line that I'm really looking at here is, is Islanders to Nelson Lee Palmieri.
2: Yeah, that makes some sense. Like maybe I won't full stack the Flyers, but I do like a one off connectie. I I don't mind like a, a Frost Faraby, two man something like that. I mean, even Kevin Hayes, right? Yeah, he's like, shooting the puck a ton. Yeah,
1: that's we talked about that in our yeah. Discord. It's like think over, it's like the last six weeks, Kevin Hayes is top 10 in shot rate, like shots per minute in the NHL, like up there with like the Pasternak's and the Ovechkin's and the Timo Myers. It's crazy. Um, I think he makes a fine one off. Yeah, I agree with that.
2: Yeah. And like, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you with the horvat Barzell line. Like they could be good and they might end up being good. They just haven't practiced together yet. They haven't played yet together yet. So if you want to play them, go play them. But like if you're... If you're going to play them, just know like you could get some bad results tonight. You could get bad results anytime, but like I don't know what exactly what you would be expecting from them tonight. Um, I don't know. Like Barzal on the wing with Horvat could end up being good, but like Josh Bailey is just a bag of bones at this point. Like they need another winger to go with him anyway. Don't
1: say that because it's going to be Casey Cizikas.
2: Well, maybe, maybe. I mean, might be better Timo than Timo me. Mayer because you know Lou Lou's just going for it. It seems like they should have been rebuilding instead of signing Bo Horvat to an eight by eight and a half. But you know, that's just me. Well, they did it. They did it. Now and I'm wearing uh,
1: my Horvat jersey in honor of him. So yes, Go we Beau. do like Bo
2: Horvat. As uh, a lot of people, as more states, we'll say it that way. As more states become legal with sports betting. A lot more sports books are offering great sign up deals, and we have one. Even though we're sponsored by Prize Picks, we have a very good BetMGM deal. You can get first bet insurance up to 1002 two months of Stochastic Plus Platinum for free. If your first bet loses, you get paid back in site credit equal to the amount of the first wager up to 1,000, minimum of 10. All you got to do is sign up with Stochastic. That membership is free. If you don't have one, then sign up with BetMGM. Make your first paid wager. You'll get an email from BetMGM on how to redeem your uh, Stochastic Plus Platinum. Make sure to click the link in the description below to sign up with that deal. And remember, the legal age for gambling in most states is 21. And if you or someone else you know has a gambling problem, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's move on to the next one. The Vancouver Canucks with a 2.7 total. Heading into New Jersey. Heading into Newark is miserable, too. Like, maybe I'm just a miserable person and hate everybody and hate everywhere, but driving into Newark is not pretty. Uh, the Devils have a 3.9 total. Colin Delia is confirmed. Vitek Vanacek is probable. Um, you know, Bohor, we just talked about it. Bo got traded for uh, Atu Ratti and Anthony Bovillier. The big news here is Anthony Bovillier... Will be slotting in on the line with Andre Kuzmenko and Elias Pettersson. Uh, Lane Peterson got released. He got claimed by the Blue Jackets over the weekend. So yay, Jake! Jake already loves Peterson. He loves the Blue Jackets. This is a match made in heaven for him. Um, but yeah, uh, this this is a tough matchup though uh, going into New Jersey, especially with um, John Marino coming back. That just shores up their defensive blue line. I I still think you can go to that line, the Patterson, Kuzmenko, Bovillier line. Like, the thing with Bovillier, he had good numbers with the Islanders. He just didn't get the minutes. I feel like he's going to get the minutes here. And if he does, I I feel like he can turn into something here, especially with Patterson and Kuzmenko. The problem here is the matchup. So maybe you save it for another time. But at that ownership, I think you take it. I think you can take a chance. On the devil side, I think it's, like, if you want to go to Heischer, Brat, I think that's fine. you want to go to Hughes, I think that's fine. I think you can just go double center, how we talk about all the time, go Hughes, Heischer, and then Brat. I mean, if you want to go Fabian Zetterlund and Sharon Govich with Hughes, I think that's fine. But they are getting a ton of ownership, so you can get three guys on the top power play for less ownership than just stacking NJ2. So I think that's the route I'm going to go with the Devils.
1: Uh, yeah, I – I mean, another thing with New Jersey, I just kind of wonder how long these lines are actually going to stay together. Like Davian Sederland really going to stay on the second line for a long time. Like
2: be rough, notorious for uh, flip-flopping.
1: Like, I really don't believe Jaeger. Like I'm a i I'm a Sharon Govich guy. Um, I like to put myself in the Sharon Govich camp. Um, But I can't imagine two months from now when Jersey's getting prepped to roll into playoff, Sharon Govich is still going to be on the second line with Jack Hughes. You know what I mean? Like this is going to change. Um, one thing about Andre Palat that is kind of concerning to me is that he's not really having that great of a season. Um, you know, he was injured earlier in the year, came back. Um, I think it's been 11 games since you turned, but his defensive metrics are pretty bad. Like not like bad for him. I mean, they are really bad for him, but they're just like bad across the NHL in general. And, You know, maybe he's still hurt. Maybe, um, you know, all the stops and starts are starting to bother. Maybe it's just
2: fits in on that type of line.
1: Yeah, that too. Maybe it's just small sample noise. Maybe it's uh, bad chemistry with that line. But um, his defensive metrics have just have not been that good. And it kind of bears out in the top line's numbers. This seems unfathomable to me on this New Jersey team considering how good they've been for most of this season. The, this New Jersey top line, Palat, Hischer, and Bratt, three in the month of January, over 100 minutes together since Palat returned. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the neural Quantum processor because this is an audio ad unless you can see it, which means you already have one
0: no purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: 3.2 expected goals for, 3.3 against. That's hor- horrific. Like, you would expect to see that on an Anaheim line. You wouldn't expect to see that on a New Jersey line. Um, I wonder how much Palat is actually hurting that top line. Because Hishier and Brat have anywhere from good to elite numbers together, depending on what metric you're looking at and Palat's just dragging all of it down. Maybe the break actually will have helped him. Maybe he just needed some more time to recoup from whatever injury he had. Something was still nagging. Maybe he'll be better. Um, do I really want to bank on him being better at 12% ownership um, on a six game slate? When I think there are other similar lines and that price range that I think you can go play. Um, you know we'll talk about one in this very game uh, I just I think it's a fairly easy pass not not an easy pass because Vancouver is bad <laughs> I mean, let's not, let's not lose sight of that Vancouver's a pretty bad team um but just considering how bad Platt has played and the ownership that we're seeing this line come in with like 12 13 on DK I think it's a spot where I, I can stay away uh the New Jersey second line again underwater Sharon Govich and Hughes without Jesper bratt over 120 minutes, 2.7 expected goals for 2.9 against I, like this team, man. Um I wish Alex Holtz would start to get some top six minutes, but like you said, old, uh old loose lips, Lindy ain't isn't. Uh,
2: he's awful with young kids. Like yeah, that's yeah. one knock besides the flip flopping. He's just, he just does not like young people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, Sharon Govich only had six shots in his last uh, five games. Fabian Zetterlin has four shots in his last five games. Like, those guys are averaging one shot per game each. So, I think I'm with you. If I'm playing New Jersey, I'm going double center. Um, I think you can even do something like Hughes plus Hamilton or Hissier plus Hamilton. We'll talk about defensemen at the end, but that's kind of the direction I go with New Jersey. Like, these wingers outside of Jesper Brat just don't really seem. Um, to really be bringing a lot. It's the Vancouver side that's actually interesting to me here. Now, I'm going to pass on <laughs> the JT Miller line. We were poking fun at JT Miller's season in our Discord earlier. Like, his scoring chance contributions, which is defined as individual scoring chances, plus his assists on a teammate scoring chance, are basically in line with Milan Lucic's this season. <laughs> I don't think people realize... Just how bad JT Miller has been. I know a lot has been made about his effort or his defensive player, whatever he's been an absolute black hole offensively, everything he's getting. It's because of his line mates or the power play. So I like, you know, I say that now JT Miller's probably going to have a four point night tonight, Like, like, that's just how these things work. But I think it's a pretty easy fade to stay away from Miller and Garland, especially where Miller and Garland just haven't played together. Well together this season, 140 minutes without Bo Horvat. 2.1 expected goals for, 2.7 against, like, just pass. It's the Pedersen-Kuzmenko-Beauvilliers line that's interesting because Pedersen and Kuzmenko, in the month of January, three expected goals for, 4.1 actual goals for. They've just been really good pretty much all season. Like, they've had a couple dips. I think lines will do that, especially with an unproven player like Kuzmenko. But they've been largely just really, really good offensively. And Anthony Beauvilliers is interesting because – Earlier in his career, like 27, 18, 18, 19, 19, 20. I don't even, yeah, about that. Um, He wasn't a great winger, but he was good everywhere, right? Like he had good expected goals for impacts. He had good expected goals against impacts. He was above average by shot rate, shot assist rate, controlled zone entries. Like it looked like he was just going to be a real solid all around probably third-line winger, maybe second-line winger. And then it just all crashed over the last season and a half. And I wonder how much of that is just specifically the Islanders because we've ha- we've seen – like Matt Barzal went like 23 games without a goal or something like that. This team was absolutely – like just horrific defensively in the second half of last season last year after the circus road trip on all their COVID problems. So I don't wonder how much isn't just related to the team and Beauvilliers really getting a second chance to, you know, refine his game from like three years ago. It might be tough in Vancouver, but if you're going to find it, playing with Pedersen and Kuzmenko is the spot where you're going to find it. They're coming in at 0.0, under 1% ownership projection on DraftKings, right? Um, We just talked about... um, We just talked about that Islanders top line, that Horvat line, 5.6%. You know, that Vancouver line coming in with no ownership, I kind of like it. Um, The New Jersey penalty kill hasn't been super elite. Um, I wonder how the Vancouver power play is going to be affected by Horvat. But, man, Pedersen and Kuzmenko are going up against a team that just really hasn't been that good defensively. John Marino returning should help them. I think it will help them defensively. Until I see the defensive turnaround, I'm going to be tempted to pick against the Devils, and I like Pedersen, Kuzmenko, and Beauvillier just because I like Pedersen and Kuzmenko this season in general. Kuzmenko's going to be back on the top power play unit now that horvat has gone, and I think Beauvillier's getting a second chance here with some pretty, on a pretty good line. With no ownership, I don't mind Vancouver's uh, Pedersen line here.
2: Yeah, we've talked about it a bunch. Like Pedersen and Kuzmenko were dragging anybody to respectability this season, so you add in someone – I, maybe he's fallen off a little bit, but he had a pedigree coming into the NHL. Maybe he finds that spark again out in Western Canada on a terrible team. Someone on the someone on bad teams have to score. We see it all over the NHL because most of the teams are bad. But there are 145 of you in here and only 50 likes. I don't know what I have to do to get more likes. Do I have to you know get an Artem Zub tattoo? Do I have to get another you know wear something stupid on the show? Just hit the like button. We'll do. We'll bring you more free shit. Well, there you go. Potty mouth. Calgary Flames with a 3.0 total heading into Madison Square Garden. The Rangers also have a three total. That total has come up throughout the day since Halak has got confirmed. Halak is confirmed. Jacob Markstrom is confirmed. We don't have a ton of time to rant here, but Gallant is just up to his elbows in stupidity here. Uh, Igor hasn't started a game since January 26th, I believe he was, he played in the all-star game. Fine. It's been 10 days since the Rangers have played. He's starting Holak. He still has Panarin with Sabanajan who essentially think of five on five as a power play. I don't know why VC and Goodrow are in the top six. They're scratching Vitalik Krafts off. They don't have, Julian Gautier in the lineup, they have some other guys who hasn't scored a goal since, you know, the the French War of 1812. I don't know. I like the kids line. This is a tough matchup. Um, I think if I had to take a side here, like I don't mind going back to the kids line. I think they're easily the the Rangers best line at five on five right now um, on the flame side. I, you know. There isn't a matchup that really worries me defensively for the Rangers, the way that they are assembled, like Panarin Zibanejian, awful defensively. Goudreau and, and Trocheck awful defensively. Kids, n- young and not great defensively. So you look at the ownership on the Flames and the three total, I think you have a pick of three lines here.
1: Yeah, and I, I know what you're saying about the kids line, and I think in a nutshell – they might be my favorite line with the way that these lines are configured for the for the Rangers. But they're also going to be going into that Coleman-Manchiapane back really? line, which is one of the worst matchups in the league. So that's what kind of takes me away from that kid line. Like Zbigniewicz and Panarin, you mentioned it. They just don't play well together. Like just flat out, they just don't. Um, 150 minutes together this year without Chris Kreider. 1.8 expected goals for actual goals for they're shooting seven and a (laughs) half percent like even if they double go to 15 percent shooting they're still only scoring 3.4 goals for 60 minutes (laughs) like they're just they're just not generating anything on offense and until I see them do that which they haven't done since Panarin's got to the Rangers like since Panarin's got there him and Zibanejad just have not played well together and I don't know why they're going to it, but they are. Um, Coming in with decent leverage, I guess. But this is a brutal power play spot for them too, right? Like the Flames have had one of the best penalty kills in the league um, over the last several weeks. And they've had a top five penalty kill in the league basically the entire season. It's not a good power play matchup for them. The line itself is bad. I'm out on Rangers 1. Rangers 2, Barclay Goodrow... Like, like Trocek and Goodrow have about 150 minutes together, three point expected goals for 3.8 against. Like, Goodrow's just sinking them. Um, it's kind of like <laughs> Palat. It, it's kind of like Palat. Um, with that New Jersey line, though, I have more faith in Palat turning it around, uh, than Goodrow, but even still, like, Goodrow's just sinking that line. Um, he like. I just, and they're going to be going into that cadre matchup. Now I think that's a better matchup at five on five, but like, am I going to stack the Rangers second line with Barclay Goodrow, or am I going to leave them off and go into a power place, turn it into a power play stack against one. It's one of the best, my p- only in the league. The only thing that makes me want to play the Rangers is that Jacob Markstrom is starting and not Dan- Daniel the Um, you know, that's basically the only reason
2: that sentence has not been uttered ever on this show. So,
1: <laughs> well, like, people want to play the Rangers, go ahead. I'm not going to say no, like you said, weird things can happen out of the break. But I see, I don't think the Panarin line's good, I think it's just a bad line. I it's
2: think, not, yeah.
1: I think the Trocheck Crotter line is going to be bad because of Barclay Goodrow. And then the kid line is going into one of the best lines in the league of back when Coleman Bajapane. So like I'm out on the Rangers uh, on the Calgary side. That second line is kind of interesting here. Kadri, yeah. Huberto and Peltier. Um, Peltier for people that might not be familiar with him. He's one of the, he's probably Calgary's top prospect though. You know, there's Matthew Coronado and, you know, people were going to argue, but you know, know. yeah. Yeah. Pelchin has 98 points in his last 99 games in the AHL. Um, and he's only 21 years old. Like he's supposed to be really, really good. He's finally getting a crack on that second line. He's both a good playmaker and shooter. Now one of the knocks against him is his skating, but this line was doing well with Milan Lucic on it. I Cannot imagine with Luchac's skating at this point of his career that Peltier skating is going to be an issue. So I kind of dig Kadri, Huberto, and Peltier That second line, pretty low ownership, reasonable price. Um, You know, slightly slightly positive leverage. Yeah, not going up against Igor. Slightly positive leverage by the top stacks tool. I think it's the Calgary second line I like best in this game. If you want to save – if you need to save, you know, over $1,000 or whatever, dip down to Calgary 3, I think that's perfectly fine because the Rangers don't take many penalties. It's not a good power play spot for the Flames. So you might want to go to Calgary 3 just for that three-man, five-on-five stack. But I do like the Calgary second line here. I'm with you. I think there are three playable lines, but it's the second and third lines that I like the best.
2: Yeah, it's the second and third lines for me as well. One, you know, no Igor. Two gonna avoid that fox pairing and the rangers defensively without fox on the ice is just it's an absolute mess so if i'm gonna you know go into the range like stack against the rangers i want fox off the ice as we mentioned off the top we are sponsored by prize picks thank you very much if you click the link in the description below you'll get one free month stochastic plus platinum and up to a hundred dollar deposit match bonus when you sign up and make a deposit with prize picks uh if you're in one of those states that are still living in the stone age and don't have legal sports betting, you should be on prize picks. It's a daily prop based contest. There's no sharks, optimizers, mass entries, a five player lineup can net you up to 10 X your entry fee. You can go cross sports. You can do NHL, NBA, Super Bowl coming up. We have a uh, UFC pay-per-view this weekend as well. Our boss, Jake Harry. uh, Posts on Twitter now, which is a new thing for him, uh, and he puts out uh, some some prize picks. If you want to go tell him, he's a uh, – he, he, listen, we rag on Jake all the time. He's very sharp. So, you know, if you like those picks, go feel free to tell ta- uh, him. And if they fail, just yell I him on Twitter. Just add him on Twitter say, Jake, what the heck? What is this crap? I will love it. He just loves getting Twitter notifications. So just Oh like, yeah,
1: it's his favorite thing in the world. Right.
2: Just just absolutely just steam his inbox. Just do it. Let's, <laughs> let's move on to the next one. The Anaheim Ducks with a 2.2 total heading into Dallas. The Stars have a 3.8 total. John Gibson is probable. Ducks never confirm goalies. Uh Jake Onger is confirmed. Now, this is the chalky spot of the night, or you know, one of the chalky spots, but I think this is the highest online Dallas one here. They also have the highest projection per stochastic.com's projections. They're also cheaper than, you know, Tampa one who has the second highest uh, projection, hence why they are so chalky. This is an unbelievably good matchup. The ducks, awful defensively awful penalty kill you know John Gibson can steal a game but like when you have no one getting in shooting lanes it's kind of hard to have good games every game that being said I like the problem I'm having here is I don't want to play a line that's approaching 30 percent on a six-game slate when no one has played in a week like maybe it will it will you know kill me but like outside of Robertson like Robertson might have a monster game, but if you if you go look and you've talked about it in in our strategy stuff, how often does a full line go off and like, yeah, Robertson's been having big games, but how often have hints and Pavelski also have had those big games? You know if Robertson had a big game maybe Hins comes along for the ride, but so does Ben on the power play and Pavelski doesn't. so I don't know like it's it just like it's an unbelievable spot. and if you want to play Dallas one, I think they're arguably the best spot of the night, but like I just don't want to get to a line with that much ownership with the risk of choppy hockey and some somewhere like a lower-owned line in a similar price point outscores them. Like, yeah, that could just be fluff and utter, peanut butter, whatever the heck. I'm I could be talking out both sides of my mouth, but like basically what I'm saying is I don't want to get exposure to the chalkiest line of the night on a six-gamer. There are spots that I think I can get to that are in similarly close enough matchups where I can get better leverage on the field, and if Dallas busts, I'll be in a very good spot.
1: Yeah, what you're mentioning is, with that ownership, is that at least on DraftKings, you can probably expect close to Um, Half the field of having some sort of Dallas stack in their lineup, because we have the top line at 26 and a half percent and the second line at 13 percent. So let's just call it near 40 percent. The third line at 5.8 percent. So, you know, somewhere between 45, 46 percent. And then you figure in all the broken stacks and power play stacks and all that. So, right, if if Dallas does go bust, like, you know, let's say Anaheim comes out and wins this game like 3-1 and, you know, Esselindal has the only goal or something like that. I mean, even if Jason Robertson has the only goal, it doesn't matter. It's still a bust. Yeah. Um, if something like that happens, half the field is dead and you get a big leg up on whatever stack you do have. And I think people have a tough time imagining, you know, good teams not having a lot of success in tremendous matchups like this, but you don't have to go very far back in Dallas's recent, very recent game history to find them absolutely blowing it um, against teams that they really should be. Um, It happens all the time, but um, you know, Dallas just did it um, in Arizona, like Dallas scored, I think Dallas scored four goals um, in a win in Arizona uh, against the Coyotes a couple weeks ago, I think Radic Faxa had a, two- had a two-goal game, right? Oh,
2: I remember that one.
1: Yeah, um, like a month ago, this very Anaheim team shut out Dallas and beat them 2-0. Now, that was in Anaheim, and road games and home games are different. But it's, it's far from a guarantee that Dallas is going to smash Anaheim here tonight. It's likely or most likely of any team on the slate, the implied goal total in the Vegas um, money lines will tell you that, um, you know, but this is something we talked about in our discord. And, and as you mentioned, it's like, even if Dallas does go off, you then have to have the right combination. Like what if Dallas wins five, one and Miro Haskin has a four point game with the scoring spread out through amongst the forwards, or what if Dallas wins four again, for nothing and Radic Faxa has two goals. Tyler Sagan has an assist with three shots maybe Ty DeLandre has a goal, maybe Joe Pavelski has a goal. All those, you know, all those situations could easily happen. Like, there are ways where Dallas where Dallas scores five goals here tonight and they're still not in the optimal lineup, right? Like, people have, I, I'm just imploring DFS players to kind of think about outcomes that can easily happen other than the one that you think might happen. And that's kind of the reason why I'm out on Dallas. Like, Dallas' top line has also just not been that great for... Quite a while now, like going back to the middle of December. We're talking almost two months, two point seven expected goals against, below average defensively. Two and two point six goals for per sixty minutes, about average offensively. That's this is a hundred forty minute sample going back to almost two full months. Like they just haven't been great, so. Any of the Dallas lines are fine, I think, except for the fourth line. I think they're definitely all in play. The Faxa line was really good um, when they were together earlier this season. Faxa, I say again, they are drawing a ton of ownership because of how cheap they are. You can fit them in with, like, the Dallas or Florida Power Play stack or Tampa Bay or, or what have you. Or not Dallas, sorry. I don't know why I said Dallas. Um, Tampa Bay or Florida Power Play stack or, or what have you. Um I would probably just stack the top line, maybe slide in Jamie Ben, make it a power play stack, something like that. There are three playable lines. I do think there are reasons to just completely fade Dallas here tonight. Um, and it's all related to ownership. On the Anaheim side, like that top line has been generating a lot of offense lately. Their last 95 minutes together. Now remember, they were broken up quite a bit. Henry, Terry and Zegers were. They were broken up quite a bit, but 3.8 expected goals for... Um, over the last ninety-five minutes together, it's about six or seven games worth of ice time. Like that's pretty good shot generation. expected a goal generation. Troy Terry has seventeen shots over his last, um, or has sorry, has six points of, and seventeen shots over his last five games. Like he started to come alive too. In, including ownership, I think I would almost rather play the Anaheim side here, uh, the Anaheim top line anyway. But it's what you want to do with the ownership. I think there's too much on Dallas. If you don't think so. Play the top line, play power, play stack. It's a great, great matchup for them at all strengths. Don't get me wrong. I'm just thinking about ownership and how much there's going to be here tonight.
2: Oh, yeah. Like, if Dallas goes off, I'm completely screwed tonight. But, like, I'm just trying to – we're just trying to play devil's advocate here for a little bit. And also, on the duck side, there's levels to bad teams, right? The Ducks suck. But, like, at least they compete. And there's there's, like, young guys who are fighting for jobs. Then you have a team like the Blackhawks, they just suck and there's no future. <laughs> so, like, so like the ducks at least have something to play for. Like you could see potential in a few years. The, the 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 Blackhawks roster is just a bunch of like guys who were supposed to be good. Now they're older and they suck, and the Blackhawks just want to, you know, complete rebuild. The Ducks are going through the rebuild. They have the young guys here. They have Mason McTavish. They have Trevor Zegris. They have Troy Terry. You know, like there's hope on the horizon. The the problem with them is their defense sucks. And, you know, that can be addressed. At least they compete. Yeah. 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 But yeah, make sure you click the link in the description below. We have it. We have a coupon that'll give you 50% off the first week of nhl or stochastic plus platinum Uh, as long as it's the uh, non-fc package i think after you sign up for that and you want to add it on you can do that but the the coupon is for uh just the nhl or platinum packages you get ownerships projections lineup generator lineup builder um you know discords all the nine yards there. So click the link in the description below. You can get 50% off the first week or first month of NHL or platinum non-FC packages, which I think you can add on after. So click that link in the description below. Let's get to the last game of the night here. You have the Minnesota wild with a 3.5 total heading into Arizona. The coyotes have a 2.5 total. Mark Andre Fleury, Carol Vamelka. Confirmed, here we are with the wild, still going with Marc Andre Flory here, even though there is plenty of evidence to the contrary that Gustafsson is the better goalie at this point. Now, there's a pretty large chunk of ownership here on the wild. I think this is a very good power play spot, not the best on the night by any means, but I think this is a very good one. If you want to leave off steel and add in a Boldy or a Joel Eriksson-Eck, I think that's fine to make it a power play stack. Now, on the flip side, if Hayden Keller-Schmaltz are going to avoid, you know, the Hartman line or the Gaudreau line, and they're going to go into that steele off zuccarello line, I think there is some merit at that ownership to stack them. They've been pretty good. They're fully correlated. They're at home. They can dictate matchups. I don't think they're going to go out against Joel Eriksson-Eck. Um, I think it'd be both top lines here.
1: Yeah. And the Arizona top line, we were met, I was talking about this in our discord earlier today has just flat out been very good. 2.9 expected goals for 2.4 expected goals against it's a 54% expected goal share on the Arizona coyotes. <laughs> I don't think this has happened. It's like eight or nine years
2: levels to bad teams.
1: Yeah, Exactly. Um, you know, Hayden's getting involved 13 shots in his last five games. That's not a huge number, but you know, certainly a lot better than what Arizona Coyotes forwards typically do, um, all playing around 20 to 21 minutes. Um, that Minnesota top line wasn't really good defensively in the month of January 2.8 expected goals against the goaltending, um, was what held them up, believe it or not. So, I don't think it's really that bad of a a matchup at 5-on-5 for the Arizona top line. And Minnesota does take their fair share of penalties. They're at 3.4 times short-handed per game. That's above the league average. league average is at about 3.2. And their shots against and goals against over the last six weeks, Um, basically the middle of the league. Like, it's not a terrible power play spot for Arizona, Arizona is still running a two-defensive power play unit. They lose Shane Goss to spare, so they add J.J. Moser. <laughs> I don't know why, but, you know, no ownership on that Arizona top line. Well, low ownership, sorry, under 5%. I think they're perfectly fine to use. The other line that's interesting to me is Kraus, Bukestad, and Matias Michelli because Dylan Genther got sent down. Uh, Bukestad, Michelli... And uh Kraus have an extended sample together this year, over 200 minutes together, 2.6 expected goals for 2.4 against. Michelli's a really good playmaker. I think like a two-man of like Krauss and Michelli or Bukestad and Krauss or something like that. I think that's just fine. But I do like Arizona one on the Minnesota side, like that Minnesota top line um I think is definitely in play. Um coming with a lot lower ownership than the Dallas top line. Um, I just think Arizona's starting to actually kind of start playing reasonably well the penalty kill still bad though so i think that's where arizona can make something up so or minnesota sorry so if i was going to do something on the wild side it might be like take sam Steele out put joel erickson act and make it a power play stack or or make it like a uh capra's off erickson act um you know duo stack or something like that um erickson x on pace for like 30 i think like 30 goals to 70 points like he's having a pretty good season i think i'm I would find a way to focus on the Minnesota power play here if I was going to stack them, and that includes putting Erickson in some of my in some of those Minnesota stacks.
2: Yeah, I just have a problem paying seventy two hundred for Matt Zuccarello. It's just maybe it's a bias thing, but you know, that's just me. But I, I think the Wild are in a very good power play spot. I agree on Arizona one as well. Coming up after us, we have the No House Advantage Monday Night NBA Show at three thirty with Neil and Terry. So when we're done here, stick around for that. Let's talk about those little gremlins who live behind the blue line. Uh, who are you liking for the defenseman tonight?
1: I mean, there's a couple, I think there's a couple 2,500 guys. You could play like John Marino, obviously from New Jersey um, is one of them. Uh, Troy Stetcher. I know Jake's going to love hearing his name playing about 19 minutes since Gosses bear went out. I think he's fine at 2,500. If you're looking for cheap as well, uh, Scott Mayfield, Ethan bear, Yanni Hawk um, McKenzie Wegar for certain A little bit more expensive I think Noah Dobson definitely in play for the Islanders Jared Spurgeon uh, from Minnesota in that matchup Obviously Miro Haskin obviously at home for Dallas The expensive guys I'm looking at are Victor Hedman um, Running that power play against the Florida team That takes a ton of penalties And Dougie Hamilton in that tremendous matchup At home against Vancouver
2: Doug Ham, yeah I don't have much to add to that. I also I always like Esselundel. So if you're in that mid range, don't mind him. Yep. i like looking in goalie. I like a couple guys.
1: <laughs> yep, and they're all relatively cheap. Uh, Jaroslav Halak, Carter Hart, Carl Amelka are the three goalies that I'm looking it's at. And, Andre Vasilevsky. If you want to take him on the road against Florida, I think that's fine too.
2: Yeah, and you have that Bob question. He's mid price, so like. If you have a lineup you really like and you need to put Bob in there, I think there are worse $6,500 options. Like, Bobrovsky just needs to not go negative, I guess. Like, if he gets you 90k points, I think you take that at mid price. But I don't know. Not a huge fan of the Bob tonight. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Who's your hat trick pick?
1: and talk, Jamie Ben.
2: Jaime Ben. Jaime Ben. I'm going Anthony Bovillier. Oh, nice!
1: I like it. I like new,
2: nice. new face, new place, hat trick.
1: Yeah, I like it. Hopefully, we hopefully we see that.
2: Yeah, it was great. to be A lot of you in chat, we tuning in. Make sure to smash. Come on, it's not that hard. We like the likes. Uh, it helps you guys out, helps us out. So yeah, we'll be back tomorrow. Nice little side slate tomorrow. We'll see you in Discord. Good luck, everybody.
1: Good luck, everyone.